0: Welcome to Rooted Parent, a podcast that aims to equip parents to think biblically about some of the most pressing and confusing issues of our day. We hope you enjoyed our first season, All About Boys, hosted by David Thomas. In season two, entitled Sane Parenting in Insane Times, Cameron Cole and Anna Harris will discuss topics such as loving our enemies, engaging with the news, grieving the varied losses of the COVID season, and coping with anger, just to name a few. Rooted is a ministry focused on advancing gospel-centered youth ministry. To learn more, visit www.rootedministry.com. Welcome to the Rooted Parent Podcast. Uh,
1: I, I am Cameron Cole, and I'm Anna Mead Harris, with the Big C and the T Mom. And this is season two of Rooted, the Rooted Parent Podcast. Season one was all about boys with David Thomas, uh, and this season of the Rooted Parent Podcast will be sane parenting in insane times. Insane times. Insane. Lots of cray cray. Lots of cray cray uh, from, from, from March until here, January, 2021, we, we were, you know, we, people wanted to confine it to 2020, but no, 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 no. no. We're still in it. We're still in it. Yeah. The the freight train keeps on running. Um, so with that being said, uh, you know, the Rooted Parent Podcast is a part of the Rooted Network of Podcasts. Rooted is a ministry that promotes gospel-centered youth ministry. Um, our uh, mission is to encourage and equip parents to, Disciple, to to encourage and equip parents and the church to disciple kids towards lifelong faith in Christ. And our hope is that every child will receive grace filled, gospel centered Bible, saturated discipleship at church and at home. Um, And and that is what we'll talk about here. So, in this season, in talking about sane parenting and insane times, um, we will focus on how it is that with the help of the Lord, and with, um, and with the gospel and God's word, how it is that we uh, help our children and our families navigate these really, really crazy times in a way that is hopeful, fruitful, peaceful, and joyful mm-hmm. as much as possible. And you know, season one of the Read a Parent podcast with David Thomas, All About Boys, um, was just a massive blessing.
2: Oh, it was outstanding!
1: Yeah, just incredible. And so we hope that uh, we can continue to help, invest, uh, and, and encourage you know parents who are listening, um, as we you know are in this challenging endeavor called parenting, <laughs> in the most challenging season that any parent. Has probably seen since, say, uh, I don't know, World War II, maybe. I
2: don't know. You thought boys were challenging?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Try Try COVID!
2: COVID. (laughs) That's
1: right. So anyhow, so before we go to today, or in our first episode, what we're going to talk about is COVID, um, the COVID season, and understanding it in terms of grief. Understanding your child, understanding these times and our experience in terms of grief. And before we get into that too much today, first we'll just do a little... Quick little personal introductions, so that you know who Cameron and Anna are. Uh, team mom, tell, us, tell yeah. us a little about yourself.
2: Yeah, so um, I'm Anna Mead Harris, and um, I am the editor-in-chief of the Rooted blog. So that's articles for youth pastors and articles for parents. I suggest you check it out. A lot of the things we're going to talk about today... Is covered in the articles um, under Rig Parent in particular. Um, And uh, I am the mom of three boys who are almost grown. Wow. Yeah.
1: A real world, a college student and a high school. Well, no, two college students. Two college
2: students, students. yeah. Oh, man.
1: Man, (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah. So um, so I'll be speaking from that perspective kids who are heading out the door. Um, Yeah. yeah. I've been been a mom a long time.
1: (laughs) So for me, I'm Cameron Cole, and I'm the director of Children, Youth, and Family at the Church of the Advent, Birmingham, Alabama, and uh, I'm also the founding chairman of Rooted. And I've, I've been working in youth ministry primarily, but sh- uh, youth and family ministry now for 16 years. And I am, you know, as you were, you were kind of getting them out the door, I'm kind of like bringing them in the door in a yeah. sense. Um, I, have a, I have a three-year-old, a six-year-old, and an eight-year-old, so... Uh, a kindergartner and a second grader, uh, and then I have another child who's with the Lord, and um, and so yeah, I'll speak from the perspective of a youth pastor because I've I've you know I teach Bible studies to and disciple and I go on retreats and trips. I'm 41 years old, and oh man, this old dog, <laughs> this old dog can only sleep on so many bunk beds. Uh, I've only got so many more reps of that in me, but I'll speak from that perspective, but I'll also speak from the perspective of a parent of young children. Um, and so now I will say, if you are allergic to Alabama or Wake Forest, <laughs> then you're going to go into anaphylactic shock on this podcast. This
2: podcast is ha- not for you. Have your
1: epipen. <laughs> have your EpiPen by your side, because Ann and I are both Alabama fans. We're particularly in a good mood this week because...
2: Yes, in case you haven't heard, we are reigning national champions. That's right. Again. For the sixth time in 12 years. So there is one thing that is is right with the world. We are on top again.
1: In our view, but I would say every other fan (laughs) in the world is like, as if it couldn't get any worse. I know, know I I
2: know. Sorry, but we have Wake Forest Athletics to to keep keep us us humble. humble. (laughs) That's right.
1: God has brought Wake Forest sports into our lives. (laughs) Ann and I both went to Wake Forest. Um, and, uh, and yeah, Wake, Wake, um, everyone likes Wake because Wake never beats you. And right. it's easy to like the team that
2: never wins. We're everybody's friend. That's right. Totally.
1: Um, so anyhow, so that's a little bit about us. And so, um, you know, we're, this season, uh, Sane Parenting and Insane Time, just to give you a sense of where we're going, in the words, uh, you know, sane or insane, it comes from the Latin word sanus, which means health. And so when we talk about a person who is insane, We're saying that that person is not healthy mentally, emotionally, spiritually, or otherwise. Uh, And so, you know, someone who is sane, uh, someone who is experiencing sanity, um, they are healthy. Uh, They have, you know, healthy relationships, healthy, uh, you know, healthy. They're healthy mentally and emotionally and spiritually. And so this word, to me, it's, it's very relatable to the word shalom, uh, in the Old Testament in Hebrew, because shalom, you know, which we you know commonly think of as peace, uh, shalom is, is deeper and richer than the way we think about peace. We tend to think about peace in terms of I'm calm, like an absence of strife. Whereas with shalom, it's it's that you have harmony and peace in the four primary relationships: first, your relationship with God; second, your uh, relationship with other people; third, your relationship with yourself; and then fourth, your relationship with the physical world. And so, you know, sanity or shalom or peace um, w- is a challenge at this time because these are insane, insane. times. <laughs> um, you know, just to some of the, I think, you know, everybody knows this, but it's worth just going through some of the images of what we have seen over the last, gosh, I guess it's 10 months now.
2: Yeah, yeah. I I think of the frontline workers and the nurses and doctors in the hospitals just covered up with hazmat suits and not really able to comfort their patients. That hurts me.
1: Yeah, you see images of of, uh, everywhere you go, everyone has on a mask. You know, what is more insane about that? Think about if we had seen a picture of ourselves in a Publix or in our churches.
2: Right. You know, in our
1: churches, for churches that are worshiping in person, you know, that you would be spaced out so much, and you Mm -hmm. all have masks on, and you have to leave in kind of a regimented manner so you don't get too close, and um, things of that nature. Like, so many of these, hey, here's an image. The image I see on, I check numbers on, like, the number of cases and the number of fatalities from COVID. Yeah. The graph is insane. It's insane. Uh, Over 20,000 people died last week from COVID.
2: Right, right. Um, Bringing it a little more recent, the images from January 6th. In the Capitol last week um, those are hard to forget
1: yeah images exactly of guns being drawn in uh, the chamber of, of Congress uh, images of you know people uh, you know damaging and running around with property
2: taking um, selfies to, in the speaker's chair
1: yeah writing writing threatening letters or uh, writing threatening, threatening things to congressmen and women um, an image of a man in a, with, with bullhorns and a painted face. Yeah. I mean, that's a little bit a cray-cray yeah. little bit. Cray cray a, little bit a little bit insane, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, no matter what's your political persuasion to see those images in the Capitol, um, we're insane. Yeah, you know? a,
2: a man um, with a, a police officer kneeling on him as he gasps for breath.
1: Yeah, watching a man die on video, yeah. suffocating to death. Uh, the the racial strife and, um, and protests and, uh, you know, we've seen images of fire in the streets and people, uh, police and, and citizens, you know, kind of like attacking each other. And it looks like it looks like warfare um, in America. Is, in, in America. It's very, very sad, very disturbing. And images we saw during the political race, it was so, so contentious, so hostile mm-hmm. uh, between candidates. Um. Yeah.
2: Even the natural world. Um. With with the fires in California.
1: Absolutely.
2: Just uh, shocking images of uh, around San Francisco, where the air was so poor that you couldn't go outside.
1: Yeah, it's absolutely you know insane times, and so uh, it's hard enough for for us as adults and as parents and youth pastors to navigate this on our own. But we have that added responsibility of navigating it with our children. And so um, today we're going to talk about how it is that we sanely, in the biblical sense of the word, how it is that we sanely um, navigate this season with our families, with the gospel and God's truth in Scripture as our tools. And so, um, and so the first installment of season two of the Rooted Parent podcast is going to be understanding COVID in terms of grief, in mm-hmm. terms of grief. And so Anna and I both um, have, that's a big part of our stories. We've, we've talked a lot and written a lot about grief. And so Anna, do you want to first you know, share your story?
2: Yeah, Sure. So in 2010, my husband passed away uh, after a 15-month battle with cancer, and our kids were 9, 12, and 13 at the time, and um, one of the first things that I learned at that time is that grief is is really individual. The way that I was feeling wasn't necessarily going to be the way each of my kids were feeling. Um, We all lost the same person. But I lost a husband, they lost a dad. Um, we each had our own unique relationships with that with him, and we also responded according to our own personalities, our own temperaments, and really our own relationships with with God and um, fortunately, I had walked with the Lord a lot longer than they had, but we had um, you know, each one of them was developing their own little relationship with God as well. So um, in our home on any given day, we could have someone who was angry, someone who was really feeling sad, someone who was feeling depressed, someone who was denying that anything was really wrong, Um, and all of that could be going on in any given day, Um, and... As a mom, I was trying to balance my own loss with the fact that I had three heartbroken kids. And I had this mental picture of our home as an emergency room. Like I was trying to do triage on three different patients while I was actually bleeding out myself. And um, I learned that grief is not orderly and predictable. It doesn't follow some sort of little timeline. um, And it didn't follow a pattern. And you didn't know. It comes in waves. You didn't know when you'd be feeling reasonably okay and when you'd be feeling incredibly difficult. Um, And I learned that it it doesn't just go away after a year or two years or five years. It it, uh, lingers with you and it has effects. But one thing I noticed, um, all of my children were home for the first couple of months of, of COVID and um, I realized that all of us were responding to COVID according to the patterns that we, by which we had responded to my husband dying. So the child who, who said, really, I'm okay, everything's okay, who was denying how badly he felt, was denying how much COVID was bothering him. Oh. And it was just so interesting how we all slipped back into our patterns um, and, and so, uh, so that's when I really realized that COVID's about grief for them.
1: Yeah. And, you know, for myself, uh, so my, my story is in 2013, my oldest child passed away and he professed faith in Christ on November the 10th, 2013, and he just mysteriously died in his sleep uh, on that, that same night, November the 11th. And so, um, and so I know some of the things that I experienced during that season were, a lot of sadness, um, a lot of just kind of like generalized depression of, you know, just sad all the time. And I felt a lot of fatigue. I was very tired. I was worn out. Uh, I just had I, had, I just didn't have much energy. Um, mentally, I was in a fog. Mm. I just could not hold my attention very long. Um, I just did not have much intellectual capacity. And, um, and then I also, for a season, was really irritable. Uh, from the second mm-hmm. year after my son died, I was, I mean, God help you if you cut me off on Highway 280. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It, uh, yeah, I was just, a, I was a really kind of a live wilder. I was just really, really irritable. And then, um, and then, too, I, I had, you know, you had this distorted sense of time. Mm-hmm. Where it feels like you know a month lasts a year or a year lasts you know a day. Uh, it's just it so 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 weird and and so for me with these different uh, attributes that I experience, I see a ton of that um, amongst teenagers uh, and in myself. You know, not to, not nearly to the same degree because uh, you know COVID relative to losing a child is is, is not on the for, for for me it's not on the same plane. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do see some of that. And, and so we're going to talk a little bit later as we, as we dive into this about, you know, kind of how we see those emotions manifesting themselves in teenagers and, and what to do about it.
2: Yeah. And we've got some practical um, things that, that may help you through as well.
1: Yeah. And so like a, a little roadmap of, of where we're going to go during this time um, is we're going to first talk about three factors theologically of grief. Um, that'll be the first thing. Second, we're going to look at Psalm 137 for just a little bit and use that as, a, as, a, as an imprecatory lament. Um, and we're going to use that to help us um, identify some tools that we can use to help our kids, um, to help our kids, you know, identify, or sorry, help our kids process and, and just, you know, fruitfully uh, make it through this season. Yeah. So anyhow, so first, you know, when we talk about uh, theological factors related to grief, um, you know, all grief emanates from the fall. It all emanates from Adam and Eve. They're in a perfect place in the Garden of Eden. They sin. And so there is a massive sense of loss. There's a massive sense of disconnection. Uh, there's a massive sense that things are not right. They're in a perfect place with harmonious relationships with God, himself, and others, in the physical world, and now they have sinned, and all that goodness. All that goodness has, um, I shouldn't say all that goodness, but most of that goodness has been lost. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, 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 lose, um, they lose their perfect communion with God. Mm-hmm. They lose the harmonious connection that they have in their relationship. They lose this orderly, uh, symbiotic relationship with nature. Um, and they also lose the kind of healthy sense of self that they had. And so with that being said, something I say is that grief could be seen as the broader category of suffering, Mm -hmm. and all the different kinds of ways that we suffer are manifestations of grief, because I think grief might be the most accurate descriptor of of what happens and comes out of the fall. So that's kind of a bold, that's a hot take. (laughs) That's a hot take. But I like person. it, but it's
2: true. It, it's, it's really true because at the base of it, what we have lost is our connection with God, which is right. what we were made for.
1: Right, and and the heart of the gospel is to restore that. The yeah. heart of the gospel um, is to restore us to communion and perfect fellowship with the Lord and to restore us in our relationships with other people, ourself, and with the physical world. And so after a person comes into relationship with Christ, The sanctification process, as seen at the relational level, is reconciliation and restoration in all the relationships by the grace of God in relationship with him. So with that being said, um, there are three factors, uh, three three theological factors that we see um, at play. Um, One, when it comes to grief, one is loss. Uh, when we're talking about grief theologically, or really just an experience, there's usually something has been lost. Uh, whether it's a person, mm-hmm. or whether it's uh, an opportunity, uh, or a relationship, whatever it may be, uh, something has been lost. That's one of the things. Uh, you know, a second thing is there is, with grief, there is a sense of disconnection. A sense of disconnection, usually isolation. Um, because usually, on two levels. One, a lot of times with grief, it has to do with the loss of a person. Yes, and so you're disconnected from that person, uh, but also, it, you know, if 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 it's it's not losing a person, but it's more of kind of like an existential loss. There is a sense of loneliness because you don't necessarily feel as if people understand what you're going through. And if it, and if it's a loss of a person, then that's double fold. Yes, because you know, six months, nine months, a year after you've you know lost your husband, you have lost your child. You are still so 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 sad, mm-hmm. and but most people have moved on. Yes, and they do not realize that for you, the pain that you experienced at the beginning is still mostly there,
2: or or uh, even comes or in waves. It's worse. Yeah, yeah,
1: in ways it can be worse. So there's a sense of disconnection, and then finally, the last one is there is a sense that things are not the way they are meant to be. Um, and so you know, I think for myself, like one thing. Be very personal here. Uh, one thing that you know we do on the anniversary of my son's death is we go, we go out to his grave, and uh, you know one of the times going out there, I just started weeping because I'm like, I am, you know, profanity looking at the grave of a three year old child. Like th- this is not right. No. This is not the way that things are meant to be, and so um, and so anyhow, all of those are kind of characteristics of grief. That flow um, that flow from the fall and flow from the garden. And so, you know, we can be tempted to think of grief purely as it relates to death. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a story I have related to this where I kind of, my understanding of grief got much broader it was, at, you know, about 15, 18 months after my son had died, I was talking to a friend whose child was going to college. He was talking about how they were grieving that this child was going to college and they're grieving that the child will no longer be in their house. And a uh, teen mom, what did I want to do to him?
2: Punch him in the face. Punch <laughs> his lights out.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, no, I was angry. I was like, man, that word grief is for people like me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that's for people yeah. who have had their children die or have lost a husband or lost a parent, things like that. It is not for someone whose kid is going off to a private college on a scholarship, <laughs> um, and um, and so then a couple years later, I was sitting with my daughter. She's just utterly precious and delightful, and she is. She is. It's true. I mean, <laughs> the greatest. I mean, some of the most fabulous hair you've ever seen, um, <laughs> and just stunning gray eyes. It's I mean, true. We could go it's on true. and on. Yeah. Anyhow, so but we um, we were kind of laughing about something that she did when she was like a toddler. And at this time she was like four or five. And so I pulled up a video and watched her. Um and watched, you know, we watched the video together, and she's laughing. And I am crying starting to cry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly
1: right. Yeah. Tears are like streaming down oh. my face. You know, oh daddy's got some allergies. Um <laughs> Yeah, because there was this sense of loss. Like, yeah. oh, like I, you know, mm-hmm. I love my five year old, but oh that two year old. Mm-hmm. You know, and like in the video, she was like mispronouncing words. Like she Uh, wouldn't say, remember it. She'd go, a member, a member, daddy, a member. And it was so cute. (laughs) And it's like, oh, that's lost, you know? It's that sense of loss when you send a child off to kindergarten.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Or college. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, I <I'll> can't go there. <laughs> You've already done that twice. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it's... it's uh, so grief does apply to lesser losses. And, right. and I don't mean to diminish those losses. And it's important to remember, first, that we have millions of American teenagers who are grieving the death of someone that they loved. With uh, I looked this morning, 378,000. Americans have died.
1: 20,000 people last week.
2: Yeah, yeah. So those are people who were um grandparents and parents and coaches and teachers to teenagers. And those people are gone. And so that is a real loss. I, I mean colossal. Uh, yeah, loss.
1: At the, a colossal loss at the human level.
2: Yes, yes. Um But there are millions more American teenagers that are losing things that, for them, they're the biggest losses they've faced up to this point. Totally. And so they have not been through real grief before, and these are the biggest losses that they've grieved. And it's important to keep that in mind. This is the biggest blow that they've been dealt up to this point, and we need to be patient with that.
1: Yeah, and so what we're going to do now is we're going to go through those three factors and just talk about where we have seen lost disconnection, in a sense that things are not the way they're meant to be. Um, and, to, and we'll talk a little bit about the emotional fallout mm-hmm. that comes from that. Um, with the bottom line, you know, a bottom line thing that we really want you to get out of this podcast is to be really compassionate and patient mm-hmm. with your teenager. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, um, they are grieving and they are totally unaware of it. Mm-hmm. Um, we as adults are all grieving in different ways. Yes. And so think about, you know, we have much better tools and we have much more life experience that the Lord has graciously given us um, that our kids developmentally do not have. Mm-hmm. And they do not have any awareness. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that, uh, that I've kind of, I think the Lord's impressed upon me for me to be patient with with teenagers is that uh, they, um, they are not, they have no sense of how affected they are yeah. by... The losses that they're experiencing and the grief that they're experiencing with COVID.
2: Right. No, you're you're absolutely correct. Um, should we delve into loss? Let's then? Still on loss. Let's mm-hmm.
1: talk about some of the things that we have seen teenagers lose. And we said already, human lives around yes. them. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, experiences. Like, what are some of the experiences or opportunities or things that they have lost?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, really simple, everyday ones like going to school with no mask on. Or going to practice after school, looking forward to performances, um, going to youth group and, you know, um, joining up in a prayer group to hold hands and pray together. Mm-hmm. It can't happen. Um, so the, every, the everyday things, but also uh, the milestones mm-hmm. that they have not gotten to celebrate. I had a high school senior. Um, He is now a college freshman, and he had worked so hard to get to the end of senior year and be able to go on cruise control, and then there kind of was no end of senior year. And all of the things that you look forward to um, in that time were gone. And and also the, the celebrating of milestones, which is actually really important for all of us, that, that got sort of stripped away. The, the actual ceremonies didn't happen. So yeah. it's kind of like, imagine that you've been training for a marathon and you're in the next to last mile and you crest the hill and you can see the finish line down the way and someone just taps you on the shoulder and says, you know what, you're finished, you're done. Oh, yeah. You, you don't, you know, don't, yeah, you finished, but you go home now and you don't get to cross that finish line.
1: Right. And have that sense of closure.
2: Have that sense of accomplishment and closure and the exhilaration of actually crossing the finish line. And for so many kids that were supposed to graduate, um, whether it's middle school or high school or even college, they just never crossed the finish line and they were just told, you're done, go home.
1: Yeah. And I think a lot of the emotional fallout from that is there's just depression, there's yep. sadness and there's despair. And, um, and you know, I, I think that. I think that, you know, one thing that all of us have seen our teenagers is just a sense of apathy.
2: Very much. Yes.
1: Uh, they really, I would imagine, you know, especially if you have a child who's virtual uh, in your school system, you know, you're seeing your child really struggle to get their work done and to take care of their basic responsibilities because they're, um, they're depressed, they're really depressed. And, yeah. you know, it's also, it's one of those things too where it's like, man, just how how, you know, as if, I think I've heard this, as if COVID hadn't taken enough. Yes. You know, and it just keeps on taking and it keeps on being lost things in the lives of people and the lives of kids. Yeah. Now, a second factor, disconnection. Holy mm-hmm. cow feathers, have we seen disconnection Yeah. Um, yeah. With, with kids. And, and you know, I, before you kind of talk about some of those experiences, you know, I, I just, you know, would remind people that adolescence is already very, very lonely. Mm. Um, you know, because of all the changes mm. and all the insecurity and and whatnot, kids just really struggle to connect, and they feel mm-hmm. very lonely, mm-hmm. very misunderstood. And then now, you know, over the last uh, ten years, that sense of isolation has really been exaggerated because of technology. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. There's less uh, face-to-face, in-person connection, and and so the, you know the primary the primary lament of teenagers is is loneliness, uh, even before COVID.
2: And now, now. <laughs> yeah, and the, one of the just evil twists of this is now the the safest way for them to be with their friends is on social media mm-hmm. or virtually, you know, it, it's just, um, they're, they're not able, just the being together with other kids that is so vitally important to teenagers has become actually dangerous mm. And threatening. And to me, just proves that this virus is straight from the pit of hell. The way that it has divided us from each other. But it also, it divides them from their churches. It divides them from their grandparents. um, and, And they are not able to go to school and get some of the affirmation from other adults like coaches and teachers that they that they desperately need at that age. They need other mentors at a time when they're trying to separate a little bit from their parents, not necessarily in a rebellious way, but in becoming their own adult selves. They have no access to other adults like youth pastors who who pour into them. They're just they're they're separated and cut off from basically everyone who doesn't live in their house.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and you know one thing to keep in mind is that there are a lot of kids who, they're introverted, they're not the kind of child who's going to initiate. They're not going to call people mm-hmm. to go hang out. Um, they're more the child who their sense of connection comes from they go to school and they're around folks and uh, they go to a youth group and they're around people or they go to church or they you know show up for their sports team and man, for that child where they kind of tend to rely on the, just the normal gatherings of life. And as so much of that has been stripped away. It's so isolating for them. So isolating. Yeah. yeah. And then finally, not the way things are meant to be. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about this. We'll talk about this at the global level, like what they see on the news. But I mean, let's just talk about like going, th- the different things they're having to do day to day on a normal routine level that are just not the way things are meant to be.
2: Well, uh, this is really personal for me, as you know, Cameron, because that child who graduated from high school is in college now, and his college has not allowed students to come to campus. Mm -hmm. So he is doing his freshman year at home with his mother, mostly in his pajama pants, (laughs) and taking class virtually. And it is not what freshman year was supposed to be like, Mm -hmm. and uh, it's... It's heartbreaking, and and I will say I'm really proud that he's just he's doing what he needs to do, but uh, that's really hard. Yeah. It's very hard to get motivated to go to another Zoom class, and mm. so I just see that evidence in front of me every day that things are not the way they're supposed to be.
1: Yeah, so, totally. I mean, like a kindergarten boy is not meant to sit in a chair. <laughs> or, you know for like eight hours a day and we're in a we're in a we're in a school situation where they've, they've done a tremendous job and they've really done everything to be safe and responsible and are you know giving our kids an opportunity to go to school and and the right the right responsible thing is that the kids do need to be socially distanced and boy that is hard for mm-hmm. a, a six-year-old boy Who's got more energy that can be conceivably expended in a day?
2: little sit, yeah. miniature hurricane camera. <laughs> right, yeah, there you
1: go. To so be, yeah, to be sitting that, yeah, and you need know, to wear a mask. I mean, you know, to see a little boy and girl put on their mask every day when they get out of school, it's just not the way things are meant to be. But then on top of that, and this is particularly true with teenagers, I mean, gosh, we, I think if you're an adult, you kind of have the altitude to remember. So I'm 41, so I can remember things like the Challenger. I can remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 9/11. the Gulf Wars, mm-hmm. I can remember nine eleven. 11 but man, it's almost like all of those kind of things of a lifetime have been packed into one year. Mm-hmm. You know, and when you think or when you think of uh, or one period of time, when you think of like COVID and the lockdown and economic collapse and kids, you know, these kids, all these kids saw George Floyd die. Yeah, they all saw George Floyd die. You know, in some way or another. Um, they all saw the capital being stormed. Mm-hmm. You know, that is traumatic. It's traumatic. It's very traumatic for adults. But man, oh man, it's very, it's extraordinarily traumatic if you're a child. And so, you know, I think, you know, coming out of this, you see kids, I think, who are just really disillusioned and disenchanted and depressed. I think you see kids who are really irritable yep. and angry. Um, I think you see a lot of kids who are just kind of in a fog or a malaise. And, um, and so, and so it is what we are seeing in kids is very consistent, like you said earlier, with what you see in a grieving person. Mm-hmm. And so with that, the helpful thing in that is, you know, one, we know that when we're dealing with a grieving person, we're much more gentle, yeah. much more patient. Um, and that's one thing I, I, I've personally seen in a lot of schools is that a lot of the schools have been, have been, um, You know, the same way that if you had a child who their parents died, uh, sorry, they had a loss, uh, a significant loss in their family, uh, you know, a few weeks before exams, they might say, hey, look, you you don't need to take your exams. And so we've seen a lot of our schools be really kind of reasonably kind Mm -hmm. relative to some of the requirements for school. Yeah. um, Appropriately gentle. Um, And so, so one, it does inform us that we need to be particularly patient and gentle with our kids and treat them like we're treating a person who has just had an experience of a significant death. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. A second thing is now we can also kind of look to what is it the Bible says about grief. And so that's gonna take us to Psalm 137. Um, yeah, Psalm 137 is, is kind of where we're gonna look for some answers and for some tools uh, for today. And so um, I, there, you know, there's actually a, a sublime song called By the Rivers of Babylon that is um, based on this. I did man. not cool. know it. Yeah, it's a good song. That. Um, I am not a singer, but I uh, have a friend, he was playing a bar once and he played that song and I was his backup singer. True story. <laughs> <laughs> Can't say it was very good, but it's true. Oh anyway, so Psalm 31, 137. Um, By the rivers of Babylon, we sat down and wept. We remembered Zion. There on the poplars, we hung our harps. For there, our captors asked for a song. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said... Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? If I forget you, Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you, if I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy. Remember, Lord, what the Edomites did on the day Jerusalem fell. Tear it down, they cried. Tear it down to its foundations. Daughter Babylon, Doomed to destruction. Happy is the one who repays you according to what you have done to us. Happy is the one who seizes—get ready, folks—who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks.
2: Woo! Yeah, yeah, talk about tough passages in the Bible.
1: Yeah, all right, get your hermeneutic tools out. All right, so you know to give you a little context of this psalm. This is a psalm that comes from the Babylonian exile, or the Babylonian captivity where uh, the Jews had been, uh, had been besieged and conquered by the Babylonians, and they had been in flights, removed from Israel, the land of God, and taken into exile in Babylon. They had been marched over 900 miles through the desert, uh, and they lived really kind of as like second-class citizens, almost as slaves um, in Babylon. And so it was utterly traumatic. On a number of levels you know i mean for one they saw many people starve to death many excuse me many people died by the sword you know in violence as the babylonians conquered jerusalem Um, and then they were removed from their land and we got to keep in mind that the promised land uh, was so so integrally attached to their to the the covenant with god Um, their 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 relationship with god their faith in god um, that the promised land was was integral to that. And so, you know, this is a song of lament. And so, you know, talking about being disconnected, uh, a, a loss, and things are not the way they're meant to be, you know, they have lost their land, they lost their safety, they lost their freedom. In terms of disconnection, they were particularly disconnected from God because they would go to the temple to experience the very presence of God. They're not disconnected from the Lord, so they're disconnected from the temple. And then, you know, things are not the way they're meant to be. I mean, you're not meant to be, to be a slave. You're not meant to be, you know, marched into captivity. You're not meant to see people die and starve to death. Um, and so, in this psalm, uh, you see you see them lament this. And um, and so, you know, one of the things you you see is that the people they're lamenting. You know, how can we sing King Alpha's song in a strange land? You know, just there's this. Um, you know, by the rivers of Babylon, we sat down and we wept. You know, it's, a, it's not a, it's not a like, you know, I shed a tear. It is a, it is a deep pain that is being expressed. And so, you know, one of the things that we see here is that uh, this lament is that, and a lot of times people have this idea, uh, I call it, you know, be on the sunny side. Theology, <laughs> just bad theology. Eh. <laughs> um, you know, be on the sunny side. Always on the sunny side. Be on the sunny side of life. We can make it every day. If we no silver if we... linings. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's just total baloney. Um, and and so what we uh, one thing that's incredibly uh, comforting in the Bible, particularly the the Psalms and the Laments, or the Book of uh, of Lamentations, is that God invites us to lament. Mm -hmm. He invites us to be honest about our pain and to direct that to him. Um, And so, you know, the first thing I would say in thinking about, uh, thinking about this COVID season is we really should invite our kids to, uh, to lament, you know, to, to verbalize what they're feeling.
2: Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. I think, um, One of the least helpful things that we can do is to try to um, tell them to look on the bright side and um, sort of cajole, try to cajole them out of feeling bad. When we do that, we're actually doing it for ourselves because we're uncomfortable with their unhappiness and we need to show them that we are not afraid when they are really, really sad or really, really angry or mad about the way things are and lament is an invitation to take those feelings to god and pour them out we don't have to be afraid of them because god can handle them
1: absolutely and you know you see here in this psalm that they they address god and so here's the difference between complaining and lamenting complaining is you take your pain and your difficulty away from the lord Mm -hmm. um, whereas lament which is biblical is you take your pain and your struggle to god you verbalize it to the lord that god can handle it he's a heavenly father he's good for it and so we should we should encourage our kids to lament. Um, second thing is you notice that this psalm is written in first person plural um, by the rivers of Babylon, where we sat down when we remembered, ba- uh, when we remembered Zion. So um, so so it is good for us to lament together, to lament to r- 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 um, <laughs> excuse me, lament collectively. And so obviously, you know, in ways that are safe and responsible and compliant with the law, you know, getting together with other parents and lamenting what's going on, not complaining, mm-hmm. but lamenting, L- lamenting, praying together about it um, and being honest about your struggle. That does a ton to comfort and to um, soothe the, the, the sense of disconnection and isolation.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You're not the only one that's feeling these things, and so immediately you've connected to another human being. The res- the connections are being restored. Totally. When you lament together.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And 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 so, uh, so where your child does have opportunities to be with other kids, particularly like in a Christian environment, um, like like you know, we have I have Bible studies outside, and boy, let me tell you this. Cold. Even here in the deep, the deep and dirty south yeah. of Birmingham, Alabama, it is cold. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's, it, is, it is good for them to lament together mm-hmm. uh, so that they feel understood and so they take it to the Lord and we pray about it.
2: Yeah, I want to say that you can do this as a family. I know some sections of the country, you're really at stay, under stay-at-home orders. You can do this over the dinner table, too. You can pray these things out with your kids over the dinner table. And I would suggest that you be honest with the Lord in front of your children about the things. You don't have to tell them everything or pray everything in front of them. Um, but you're being vulnerable with the Lord in front of them is huge.
1: No question. No question about it. Um and so the you know, final thing here, and, and so we'll get into these very difficult passages where, you know, it says, O daughter of Babylon, doomed to be destroyed, blessed is he who repays you with what you have done to us. Blessed shall he be who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rock. Okay, so first off, you know, it says, uh, who takes your little ones, your children, and dashes them against the rock. Basically, that is probably something that the Babylonians did to Jewish children. And so this is really a cry for justice. You know, the the... The Jews were disenfranchised people. They were victims of oppression and injustice. And so this is a cry for the justice of God. This is a cry for God to, um, to pour down his judgment upon the Babylonians for the atrocities that they had committed against the Jews. And, you know, on one hand, um, uh, on one hand uh, that it's a biblical thing because in the covenant, the Mosaic covenant, the covenant with Israel, God says that people who bless my people, I will bless, and people who curse my people, I will curse. And so they're, they're um, the, the, you know, the, the the Edomites and the Babylonians had cursed God's people. And so they, the, what they are, they are holding God to his word that the enemies of God's people are the enemies of the Lord um, in the Old Covenant. And so when you get to the New Covenant, the, the, the enemy, we no longer think of enemies in geopolitical terms. The, in the New Covenant, the enemy is sin, death, and the devil. And Jesus... Curses our enemies through the cross, mm-hmm. um, and so, so there's there's that level, but also there is this what you would call eschatological sense. There is, which by that that just means like end times or, um, in the Old Testament, the Day of the Lord, the New Testament, the Second Coming of Christ. There is this is a longing for the final day when God makes everything that is wrong right, and so I think the the big point I'm making here is the last thing is that. This is a season for a very high, healthy, and robust eschatology, which means <laughs> it's a season to really be praying for, longing for, talking about, um, crying out for the return of Christ, mm-hmm. for heaven. Because at the second coming of Christ, uh, there's not going to be, there's no longer going to be disease. Mm-hmm. like There will be no coronavirus, no cancer, no COVID, nothing like that. Um, at the second coming of Christ, when we're you know glorified and perfected by God, um, we're not. There's not going to be human strife. There's not going to be racism. There's not going to be violence. There's not going to be hatred of one another. Like that's going to be gone. There will be, be perfectly harmonious relationships. Um, at the second coming of Christ, there will be and beyond. There will be no sense of isolation. There will be no loneliness, because we will be one with God and others forever. And so. This is where this is a season. This is a, a season to be heavenly minded with your kids, mm-hmm. because look there. And I, I don't mean this in a critical or judgmental kind of way, but it is a very sad thing that for a lot of people, their only hope was to get out of 2020. Yeah. With the hope of getting to 2021. Yeah. And like, hey, 2021 so far has been pro- has been much worse, pound for pound, day for day, like misery per day index, <laughs> much worse. In 2021
2: to 2020, so far,
1: yeah, so far, right? And so, um, and so, but for us, like, there, it's not, we're not hoping for 2021. We're, we're, our eyes are on the ultimate prize, which is Jesus returns, heaven and earth merge, and we're, we live in the new heavens and the new earth in a, in a perfect paradise forever. Mm-hmm. And so, it's a season to really put that before your kids, yeah,
2: yeah. And we can remind them that Jesus is with them because of the spirit living with us. They're not alone now, and mm-hmm. they don't have to wait for heaven to have tastes of joy and peace and shalom. I mean, He is um, He is within us and among us right now. Yeah. So we are not just long we are longing for heaven, yes. But sometimes that's hard for teenagers to wrap their minds around. Yeah, we are getting tastes of heaven here in this life, and we will continue.
1: That's right, because the kingdom of heaven has come to earth in Christ. Yes, when Jesus came. You know, uh, the presence of heaven partially came to this earth, and, and so that's the now and the not yet, the mm-hmm. now and the not yet of the New Testament, that we do now enjoy some of the heavenly realities yeah. of union with Christ and communion with, you know, with God and the presence of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and we do not we do not yet enjoy all of them. So, um, so anyhow, that's, that's what we got for today, uh, Team Mom. You got any, any other parting shots?
2: Roll Tide! Oh, oh no. <laughs> team mom, team mom, we're gonna inflame half our base there. Yeah, no. Um, I just appreciate the the chance to um, get to talk with you about this, Cameron. And I really do feel that um, God is with us. God is for us. His hand is visible everywhere, mm-hmm. and um, we don't. We're not necessarily seeing it right now, but. I can promise you that the number one thing that I learned through our season of intense grief is that he is faithful. He is absolutely, utterly trustworthy and faithful. And that's that's true now. It's not any less true um, now than it was in 2019 or will be in 2022.
1: Amen. Yeah. The Lord is a healer and he's a redeemer. We can trust him. So. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our next episode, um, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, parents and their engagement with media and news and social media and things like that. It's really um, for the parents, not kids, but for parents. And, and, you know, in a a crazy time, uh, you know, how do we navigate that in a way that's, that's, that's sane? Sane and insane times. Um, And so so that'll be coming up to you next. You know, if you would uh, like the podcast, maybe leave a review, that would certainly be a blessing and a help to us. But thanks for joining us. God bless you. And may the Lord be with you.
0: We hope that you enjoyed this episode of Rooted Parent. If you found this podcast helpful or encouraging, we'd appreciate your help in bringing this grace-filled, gospel-centered, Bible-saturated content to others who might also benefit. Help us serve others by sharing this resource on social media, by leaving five-star feedback, or simply by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. For more grace-filled, gospel-centered, Bible-saturated resources, be sure to visit www.rootedministry.com. As always, special thanks to High Street Hymns for the music featured on this episode. This podcast is made available to you by Rooted Ministry for educational purposes only, not to provide specific therapeutic advice. The views expressed are the personal perspectives of the authors and do not represent the views of all counselors or of the counseling profession. This podcast does not create a counselor-client relationship and should not be used as a substitute for competent therapeutic counsel from a licensed professional in your state.